0: Is it this on? I have lived a a quiet life. When I meet Mr. Jack a few years ago, I think he is old now. Surely there will be no misadventures. All I wanted to do was find a safer place to make wooden boys, but now... Oh, no, shh, 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 he's coming. Geppetto, Al, and I are sending postcards to those shapeless nerds at the Peapod or the Pod Squad. It's a podcast, Jack. Which of these is funnier? Wish you were her? Or wish you were Gondolier? I was once, I was I'm not sure what you're asking me. Yeah, let me do this. Geppetto, my paisan, we're just messing around, we're trying to flood the mail sack with postcards to throw those meddling podcasters off the scent of the Arthropod Squad. That is uh, not clarifying things. Anyway, I got this postcard way back when I was in Sicily, shooting Godfather 1. And I wrote, wish you a gondolier. Because, you know, the old country, L'Italia, the gondoliers more of a Venetian thing, Mr. Pacino. Anyway, which one do you like, kid? Jack, yours doesn't even make sense. Wish you were her. Her who? Oh, for Christ's sakes, Angelica. What are we talking? Grifters, Angelica? Tenenbaums, Angelica? Adam's family values, Angelica. What am I, some rube? Okay, okay, a little AFV, I hear you. I, I, I actually like the one Miss Sheila wrote. Sheila's up and around. The of the <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dr. Merlot says she's good as new. She's better than new. She's unprecedented. Dr. Merlot... Have you been, Doc? I haven't seen you since you turned Lara Flynn into a cricket back in Art 7. That one really took. She had the bone structure for it. Anyway. Geppetto here says Sheila wrote a postcard that's fan-fucking-tastic. Sheila, darling. I know you're resting, but do you want to buzz on out here and read your postcard to everyone? Geppetto, give give me a bucket of ice. It's so damn hot out here. Sheila, come on out, sweetheart. Oh my god, Doc. What have you done? Uh, hello. We fused her DNA with that of a murder hornet. Didn't you listen to the last episode? But she's... I mean, look at her. How can you do this to people? Correction, we call them Beeple. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these people! Look at her! I think she's kinda hot. What the hell's wrong with you, Jack? I mean, she finally has a waist. Sheila, uh, read your postcard, darling. <laughs> oh, damn! <laughs> they brundle-flied me! <laughs> I used to just obsess over you and the cardamom content of my pancakes, but now I have a thirst for more. I'm afraid they've made me. A... Natural-born killer. I'm afraid of what I might do to episode 15 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. (laughs) We've scared so many people. I think that's the result of getting up at 3.30 in the morning or a couple of nights. That was amazing. She had the bone structure for it. (laughs) Oh, God.
1: Coming soon. This summer. At theaters
0: everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we're heading back to the summer of 1994 and the releases of August 26th Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers, Karina Karina, starring Whoopi Goldberg and Ray Liotta, and the Saturday Night Live adaptation It's Pat. Now, we've already talked about where we were earlier that summer when Joe Montaigne was being fondled by an infant who quickly became two of our quirkier recurring characters, but Fred and Dan. Where were you guys at the end of summer 1994?
2: Well, I was living with you, I believe. At gravy. <laughs> <laughs> good gravy! good God! Was in this st- Woodside, Queens? Yeah, Woodside. this was in Woodside. We were living together with our respective mm-hmm. lovers, and oh. um, I, yeah, I was a recent graduate of the Hofstra University, and I believe we were both uh, about, about to, to start, uh, yeah, start rehearsals for our our first big professional theatrical gigs other than summer stock, right. uh, which, which, was children's theater, of course. Yes. Bigs Rosati. Rosati. Yeah, Rosati. Yeah. Yeah. We both auditioned. We, we both what? did separate tours and I was, uh, rehearsing the role of Figaro in El Barbero de Sevilla. <laughs> uh, yeah. And took me, I would. Get in a van and
0: travel all over the country. What
2: what was the show that you were doing?
0: I was in Mananas de Abril y Mayo, mornings Ah. of April and May by Calderon de la Barca. Wow. And that was the, we did the same thing. So we were both in the Spanish language shows. There were like two Spanish shows. There was a French or maybe more than one French. And they were being performed
1: in Spanish
2: and French and whatever? It was both. You would do yeah, you would do like the scene in English, and at least for our show, uh, we would do like a scene in English, and then there would be like a rewind
0: sound like R-r-r-r-r-r-r. rewind and a strobe effect.
2: We were satisfied oh. from Hamilton <laughs> before Lin Manuel Miranda even thought of it. Spoiler, if you haven't seen it, there's a brilliant backward sequence. So yeah, we did that. We would do the scene and then we and then we would do it all again in Spanish. And uh It was actually Um, a pretty cool gig. I mean, for us, at least our tour, we literally traveled the entire country. Really? Yeah, we went everywhere. We were East Coast, West Coast. We went down to Mexico. I mean, we were- Yeah, we almost got arrested in Mexico. We would, uh, we were in El Paso and- I was always the guy on tour. It was like wherever we were, I was like, "Well, let's go here, let's go there, let's visit, let's see things." Uh, much to the chagrin of, every, I think everyone wanted to kill me on that tour. So I was like, "No, let's drive seven hours to the Grand Canyon. Why not? Let's do this." So we were in El Paso, and I thought, "Oh, we're so close to Mexico. Let's go to Mexico." And there was Good. one guy in the cast. And what we would do, we would always, whenever we got to a place, we would take our bags out. We had we had the van, and then we had a trailer which had all our sets and lights and everything, and we keep our luggage in there. And then whenever we got to our destination, the first thing we would do would we'd take our luggage. And put it in our hotel rooms. For some reason, we did not do that when we got to El Paso, and I don't know why. So we all decided we were going to go, except this one dude, Greg. And Greg loved from town to town. He would try, as soon as we got there, he would find the closest gay club and go and just like find someone to pick up and do poppers all night long. The little amyl nitrate. And he had all these vials and he had a whole bag oh of sex toys and oh just all Lord these drugs. God and that almighty. was his thing. Yeah. God bless. You know, that's what he would do. And he was, he was, he was working this tour for his benefit. So anyway, he did not want to go to Mexico with us. He's like, I'm tired. I'm going to just go on. So we said, all right. So we drove into Juarez. Um, and, First of all, not a good idea right there. If you've ever been to Juarez, it was not the Mexico that I had in my mind. You know, I pictured, I was very naive and I pictured us crossing the border and
0: everyone was like, hey, welcome to Mexico. Just, they hand you a burrito. <laughs> no There's a piñata swings in front of <laughs> you candy flying in your face.
2: Juarez is where you go if you want to get your head cut off by the cartel. Oh it my is god. It's a really Good dangerous place. Yeah. <laughs> um so we drove through and we got stopped by the border patrol there. And luckily we had Nini and a few other people in the cast spoke Spanish fluently. So they were able to talk to the, to the patrol agents Thank and, God. you know, they were saying, what are you doing here? So we're actors. And so they wanted to search the entire van and trailer. And we tried to explain, we said, well, our trailer is filled with our sets and our lights. And they said, "Well, you got to take everything out. Oh. And at which point we just said, you know what, we're, we're going to turn around. We won't, cause was too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they were, Nini was explaining this in Spanish. And then one of the border patrol agents said, in Spanish, he said, okay, you know what? Let me just look through a couple bags. And we said, <gasps> okay, that's fine. And as we're saying that's fine, he's reaching towards a bag. And that bag happens to be that guy Greg's bag. And we <sighs> all the knew it. 20. We all realized it as we, and it was like slow motion. And he's opening it up and you can see all of us looking at each other like, Oh, no, that's Greg. That's his bag. And he opens it up, and all we see are these vials of drugs. But what the Border Patrol agent also saw were the big black dildos and other various sex toys in there. (laughs) And he saw those and got very, and, and zipped it. I guess he got so embarrassed and shaken by it that he didn't decide to look through. But... Holy shit, we came hmm, hmm. so close to being thrown into a Mexican jail.
1: What, I was horrifying. I can, what kind of show did he think you were doing? That, that's the <laughs> only thing that could. he must have thought that there was some sort of misunderstanding about the kind of show you were doing. Obviously, children's theater. <laughs> <laughs> but what kind of children's theater? Oh, wow. God. Wow. We, so in, So in some ways, that's what saved you guys is the dildos in there.
2: Oh, absolutely. It always, so. Many, I, I can say that about so many things in my life. That's what saved me, the dildos. That dildos saved you?
0: The black dildo.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But the funny thing was, when we were going back in, going through the U.S. Border Patrol, they were like, hey, so uh, what you got in the trailer? Uh, we're actors. It's a set and lights. All right. Well, welcome to America. Have a good day. And that was it.
1: They weren't interested in dildos. They,
2: no, they, they, I think they knew
1: they knew that they would be in
2: there. As soon as we said we're
1: doing children's theater, they probably
2: assumed.
0: the back end things loaded with dildos. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it through. <laughs>
1: it's best to assume trailer full of dildos. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, there we go. That
0: wow. was the original title uh, for Pocket Full of Miracles, Trailer Full of Dildos. But Betty Davis, you know, she threw her weight around, said, not happening. <laughs> that's, that's the title of my memoir.
1: Uh, So this is end of summer. So I'm about to go into my senior year at Hofstra, right? right. That's right. Yeah. You guys are gone. You had both abandoned me now, never to return. We had enough Mm. of you. It was very sad. But um, in your absence, what's the and this is the general consensus among the Hofstra community at this time I became the star. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I did. Always That's star. Pretty true. You are. you not, are. True. No, it's not true. But uh, it was a, a pivotal uh, um, senior year, and uh, it was one of those those things where it was very bittersweet because I really missed all of you guys. Yeah. I really did. But I so I wound up rooming with two of our very good friends who were super seniors, Rob and Andy. And we lived in the the penthouse yes. of the towers at Hofstra.
0: Oh, right.
1: Uh, yeah, and um sure we, I slept uh, on that floor. Oh, I'm sure a few you slept times. on that beautifully clean floor. <laughs> and so that's where we lived was in the very top of the. You know, we were we were one senior and two super seniors who had this uh, beautiful sort of big open loft style uh, penthouse. So that was fun. But I really, really missed you guys, and and I, I missed Pete and I missed all of you guys so much. Um, so it was a it was a bittersweet uh, uh, year for me. That explained mm-hmm.
2: the cardboard cutouts that you had. That's right, <laughs> of you
1: guys and I would sleep with those and kiss them. Um, the first show we did was with uh, an actor who's last I heard of her she was a guest artist and former Hofstra alum last i heard was a news report saying that she had fallen on some hard times and her name was Lainey Kazan and you oh, may remember her from some movies like My Big Fat My Big, Back Wedding, Back, Big and, Wedding and
0: um my, favorite, um, my year. favorite year don't mess with the zohan is that what it's called is she in that i didn't know that she's very um, funny in that she's very yeah, funny in that. she's always
1: very funny and she was on the nanny for several years oh, right. um, but we did a production of mother courage uh that i'm sure i'll talk about uh in another uh podcast but we were gearing <laughs> up to to get ready to welcome uh um uh esteemed alum laney kazan and boy did we have a ball uh Uh, working with her but uh you know i the last i heard was that she had you know very recently had fallen on some some rough times there were some things in the news about her um, shoplifting or something like that so i hope she's okay yeah yeah i hope she's all right and i hope that those were just like you know here's um, the thing weird anomalies for her i I don't know
2: you know when you have a career like that and you get to a certain point once you work with matissa It's like everything (laughs) goes downhill.
1: And Don't I of, know
2: you, it? You start to, qu- I've had those moments where I've questioned myself, what am I doing? I've already been to the top of the mountain. Thank I've you. I've been to the top <laughs> of the Matissa. Right. What do I do? I, am I just going to end up like a, you know, a pathetic Mr. Blysedale in my little hotel with my gorilla mask? Or like, what What else is there to do? You, so did, you did the Tempest
0: that. with Mr. Blysedale, didn't you? Did. The <laughs> was- at one point. You were Caliban to his Prospero, and he just couldn't he couldn't measure up
1: that's what happened in that closet that's all that happened to that closet
0: <laughs> I think I've told you these stories there was there was one you know you you throw like a bunch of like twenty four year olds in a a van who barely <laughs> know each other and then say, go out on the road, you know, for what, um, for months and months and, you know, just take care of yourself, you know, all sorts of strange things are going to happen or, or the personalities. You're not going to know you all of a sudden you're living with all these people. And, um, right. There was this one actress, she's a lovely person. Uh, and I've become friends with her again recently on Facebook and stuff. And she's, uh, you know, she a beautiful woman, beautiful life, child, everything. When she was on this tour, she was a great actress. She had some very intense kind of OCDs, uh, you know, like she. she um, was this the
2: one who also had a thing for chocolate cake?
0: Oh, yes. That's <laughs> <her name. clears throat> <laughs> she had a thing for um, she was very tactile and she had a thing for all sorts of kind of soft. Uh, yeah. Like things like frosting and things uh, of that nature. The first thing. Touching uh, first it, not eating it. it T- t- um, a little bit of both a little bit of column a, <laughs> a little bit of column b the first the first night we were on the road we went to this diner all of us went to this diner and there's like however many of us at the table ate whatever and at one point we're, somebody's asking for the butter pass the butter and 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 the way the butter was put on the table it wasn't like little uh pre-packaged pads or anything like that it was one of those things where it's like those scoops of butter like you get on it was like <laughs> yes. a bowl with several scoops of of salt, whipped butter <laughs> So this is I good. see it on the table. I, I've seen it at some point. I'm like, where's the butter? Who's got the butter? Where, where's the butter? Oh, no. And people are like, it was here. It was here. And then finally, like somebody, she's down at the other end of the table and she's turning beet red. And, yeah. and so I'm like, what are you doing? And she's got her hands in the butter. The butter's in her lap and she's working it with her hands. <gasps> and she's like, I just God. like the feel of it. No. And I thought it was a joke. So I laughed and I was like, you're crazy and blah, 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 blah. And then she got really upset. And it was like, <gasps> oh, she has these actual things that she has to do. And, but and I mean, and come, touching come butters. the fuck on, I mean, you, community butter. You know, you should say, can I please have a side of butter with this <laughs> <laughs> so I can fondle <laughs> it. So anyway, so that was like my first, I was like, oh, God, you know, I, I guess we can't talk about that as we got to know her more this is how much you bond in a, in a short time a month or two later it's her birthday on the tour and we now we know her person we know her things we know her li- you know and a person's likes or dislikes you just observe, you're like well that's her and that's what she does so we bought for her birthday we got two chocolate cakes one oh. for the cast to eat and one for her to play with like physically like get elbow deep oh, in this chocolate cake my god and she oh, did wow and she did it and it was the sexiest thing ever like we we had oh. <laughs> was, this was like something she, like, she, was, she was like john waters movie yeah her, totally she was in her costume and like all coiffed with her wig and makeup and and, and she's like oh i gotta be careful not to get the chocolate up you know, we we were like happy and it was like the greatest present like she was very moved she almost to tears because oh. we were like we were like and we got you a cake just for you to do whatever you want to and she was like you guys are the best. And she was like just playing with it. She just liked the feel of it. That's actually anyway, a beautiful story. It, I mean, it was. I think it, she's a lovely person, and, and yeah, and I actually that's a very fond memory because I felt so bad after the butter thing. I was like, you know, God, it, 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 you should it, live bad. and let you live. No, you, know? you changed your life.
2: You're yeah, you're like the Whoopi Goldberg to her Ray Liotta.
0: Oh, oh, so true. Wow. See what so, I did there? So, I so. do. I there do True, I And everyone else is going to see What you <laughs> did there too <laughs> As we <laughs> as we start off With our first film Corina, Corina
2: Hello kid My name's Corina Do you know how to drive? I'm an old pro I was just testing the brakes It'll do your heart good to know They're fine She's not exactly
1: what they were looking for
2: vacuum ourselves right into the car and go get some dinner because
1: i'm starving
0: isn't it fun to make things
1: shiny i think the thrill for me is gone she's not exactly what they expected
2: ooh, ooh, it's good we're not ticklish.
1: but they're finding out anybody wants some more anybody want any
0: she's exactly what they needed <laughs> it's 1959 and widowed businessman Manny Singer, played by Ray Liotta, needs a reliable nanny to watch his daughter Molly, played by Tina Majorino, after the passing of her mother. Yet the early applicants, including a reliably hysterical Joan Cusack, are unimpressive. Ultimately, Whoopi Goldberg's Karina Washington lands the job and gets Molly, who hasn't spoken since her mother's death, to communicate again. Over time, Manny and Karina begin to bond over music and Molly, and a romance begins. However, this being 1959, racism and intolerance inevitably rear their heads. Written and directed by producer Jesse Nelson, who went on to perform the same duties on the 2002 film I Am Sam, Corina Corina ultimately earned $20 million in theaters. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Corina Corina?
2: Well, first of all, I just want to say that I really appreciate you going back to your uh, Spanish children theater roots and saying, Corina, Corina. Corina.
0: I know. I never know if it should be Corina or Corina. How did he pronounce it? Is it just Corina? I think it's Corina. Corina. Because it's
2: a song, Corina, Corina.
0: Yeah. I don't know the song.
2: Yeah. a Dylan song. And I think it was a a 50s song before Yeah, but if you're right,
0: if you got it, it's a two, uh, you know. I, don't I know. like the
2: Corina
0: Corina. Well, guess what? You,
2: you you elevate we to go like back into this. Again. Fellini. No,
0: I <laughs> Corina no. Corina. <laughs> it I sounds sexy it. the way I you do it. it.
2: <laughs> no. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know. But, but the other name I don't know. I said Tina Major, Majorino, Majorino. I have no idea <laughs> how you say that <laughs> let's girl's Let's just name. do
2: everything with a Spanish accent today. Why not? <laughs> All right, uh, let's say
0: Corina Corina with Greliota and uh, Tina <laughs> Majorino and uh, Juppie <laughs> <Dorber>. the <laughs> Hepeto. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, I thought
2: Corina Karina was muy bueno. Um <laughs> I I really liked it. I was really, really surprised. Was it your first time seeing it? My first time seeing it. I watched it with uh Kate and the kids. And yeah, we re- I'd seen bits and pieces of it. Um, but I never saw it as a whole. I really enjoyed it. Now there it's got problems, obviously. It skirts it it really skirts like the the some of the the, the race stuff at the end um mm-hmm. you know with their relationship but that was sort of like wait, like wait whoa 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 how she was able to get this education and they let her in this restaurant and i mean it it, it
0: yeah for 1959 they, yeah
2: they addressed it but not as much as they should it seemed like they tried to pack a little too much in um and that that i feel like was a really a missed opportunity but other than that i I, I did really enjoy it. I liked how it, it really took its time. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't rush their relationship at all. I thought all the actors were wonderful. I thought, you know, when Ray Liotta first started, I kept at one point, um, what is, what is the, the daughter's name? Um, Molly. Molly. Mm-hmm. The first time he said it, I kept, I wanted, I kept yeah. seeing, picturing a of him going, Karen, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I kept thinking good fellas. Um, but, he was, I thought he was wonderful. I thought he was, it, it, you he know, was he so got, great. Yeah, he's he got so a really lovely, gentle side. I bought him as a jingle writer. I loved that that was-, that that was They had the chemistry.
0: Lo- they had great chemistry, I thought, him and Whoopi yeah. Goldberg. I- the
2: scene where, they, where they're working on the jingle together at the piano, mm-hmm. I thought that could have so easily been schlocky and cheesy. And I thought it was done in such a realistic way. Yeah. You're like, no, this is how people write songs. And they come up with stuff. It was- you know, it wasn't like instant magic. You know, it wasn't like there was the oh god that that scene in um in Ray where he starts to sing "Hit the Road, Jack" and don't you come back? <laughs> and and right. oh god, that's when I I just thought this is terrible. Um, <laughs> you know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just there was yeah. None there's of always that. that
0: moment when you like, especially with those biopics, where we know the thing actually goes on to become so famous, and it's like, you know what I mean. And then there's yeah. that moment of like. Why don't we, don't we all live in a yellow submarine? This was just
2: a real natural fun moment.
0: Pudding, see, I, am stuck on this pudding. pudding. See, it's this pudding, this, this pudding, like the you, doorbell. Like it's, a, it's, you're right, it's a doorbell, you and just, I can't. I have you to. Have, it. You just fixed your problem.
2: You took the G off the end of pudding. Who says you shouldn't have instant pudding? I mean, it could be that. Same. Oh.
1: Who says you shouldn't have instant pudding?
0: Good, Karina. I I I loved their chemistry. I loved their performances. It's like it's actually when I think about it. I mean, I think of Ray Liotta. I think Goodfellas. But yeah. This is such a a lovely performance and shows such range for him that he doesn't, you know, something he doesn't normally get to do.
2: I'm sorry. It reminded me of him in the Field of Dreams. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, he's so gentle and loving and sincere. It's a
0: side of him you forget. Is there because it is usually yeah. cast. And for Whoopi Goldberg, I was like, my God, she she was just so, you know, I never think of her. Again, we've done several of her movies now already in the yeah, short time the we've been doing this podcast because, one, yeah. because she's a huge star and an Oscar winner with a lot of, you know, like summer movies, you know. I tend to like cast her a lot, but uh, she and she is so fun. She's so good in this. She's so warm and nurturing and loving and easy her the the quality she has with the little girl and with him is very easy and natural believable I mean obviously she's a great actress she's an Oscar winner but I also found her very she was just so she's so beautiful in this movie I kept thinking I was like God Whoopi Goldberg's such a beautiful woman that's not you know what I mean it's not she doesn't always get cast in a way that again that that plays to that they they cast her in the leading lady role she's very often you know a comic character or a supporting character and uh, not often a leading lady and I thought she was wonderful in this. And I thought the little girl was great. And there rela- were, I mean, we, yeah, I, I, we were, we were, I was a lot of crying during this. Kate watched some of it with me and the two of us, oh. you know, we were just, yeah, we were. There
2: were, there were some lovely scenes, a scene where, where yeah. the little girl's in the bathtub and Don Amici, you know, at the end where he's playing, where he's doing the violin on his uh, arm. Yeah. The,
0: he was gorgeous yeah. in it. And uh, uh, yeah. And there's a lot of beautiful little images. There's that great image of the little girl coming in and Ray Liotta's watching the home movies of the mother. And then the, and then when he stands up, the mother is projected, the shadow of the mother or the image of the mother is projected on him in his pajamas, staring, standing there looking at the girl. Um, yeah, There's a, there's a lot of that kind of thing in it. So I thought, you know, it's funny cause it's one of those movies where you say like, okay, the woman who made it, she, she served as both writer and director on this and she's only done that one or two other times in her career. Uh, Although she's a screenwriter and a producer and stuff. It's like it's one of those things that it's like she really this is a story she obviously wanted to tell and knew what she wanted to do with. And uh yeah, definitely directed. Yeah, I'll say that. It's very confident. what do you think? Directed.
1: Then? I'm I'm less enthusiastic uh than you guys, but I I I did still um find lots to enjoy in it. I think you hit Jason on the thing that I liked best about it, which is the the scenes and the relationship between Whoopi Goldberg and the girl. Um th- those were kind of my favorite things um in the movie. I I I felt at times that Leota and Goldberg uh that relationship was a little was a little pat, you know, it was just mm. a trifle uh, Pat, which a little brings bit.
0: us to our next movie. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's not a saying? trifle, Pat. That's a whole lot of Pat. No, um, no I hear what you're saying, absolutely. but you know, I
1: just at times, I and and what the movie starts out doing is what I wanted it to do the whole time, which is give us a kid's eye view of race mm. in the late fifties, because yes. literally the first shot. Yes. is the kid's eye point of view of all of the feet, right? The and I was legs. like, oh, this is going to be interesting because it's going to be her POV. And then it that kind of falls away. So I felt like the movie didn't have the courage of its convictions, really. Uh, but then you get this, you get two very shocking scenes in a row. The scene where they go out to dinner and then the scene when they are in when she's in the, um, the the church choir. Oh God. Okay. And she, um, says, um, because she heard it in the, uh, in the dining room of the, of the restaurant, she says the N word, but she says, she says it in such an innocent and loving way. I don't want to give it away because it's so shocking and yet it's so, Mm. Um, she, she, because she's a kid, she has no idea what she's saying.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that's that when my heart. That, it's very heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I went through something like that too, as a kid, I had a moment like that where I didn't really Did understand.
2: Really? Yeah. where well, I didn't understand the power of that word and right. I had heard it in a joke and I, yes. you know, used that joke to my friend Rashim, who was African-American and I didn't. I didn't realize that it was such a bad word. I just thought, well, this is sort of a funny word, and sure. you know, this is another way to describe black people. Mm-hmm, and I had right. no idea. And my God, I n- I will never forget the look in his eyes when I said oh, that word. God. And I mean, it to this day, it's it it sears through me. But I thought that was. I agree with you, Dan. I thought that was a wonderful moment. It, and and it's the I, first I there mom- were more.
1: Yeah, that that there you go. You know, I was like, here's an opportunity. To really have this movie be what, what I think it wants to be, Mm -hmm. which is this, this, um, it, it less about the relationship between the two of them and more about a kid's eye view of, you know. I don't know if you guys um, are familiar with loving, but you know, yeah, a kid, that's exactly
2: what I was thinking of. Yeah,
1: a kid's eye view of of something like that. Not that it was going to be a a, a heart rending drama. You know, this this is this is basically a but romantic it comedy. Been. Yeah, but it right. Could, but that's the thing. It, it could have it, been, but through that kid lens, I think this movie could have done something really special. And what this movie, I think, started out being, and maybe what it wanted to be. W- would be a movie that I would see in a heartbeat. I would love to see, you know, a kid's eye view of late 50s, early 60s race relations and how a kid works his or her way through that. Um, because you, you, it's two thirds of the way into the movie before you see those two scenes back to back. And then it never kind of, it doesn't happen before that and it doesn't happen after that. Grandma, that's your Malinka, enough. I'll sing it
0: with you. All down the road. Thank you, Grandma. All down the road. All I'm going to let it shine.
1: I also think the movie ends very awkwardly and abruptly. Agreed. Why is why is the last moment about the the girl and the grandmother I didn't that that to me undercut what the rest of this movie I think wanted to be about you know so I I, I'm a little less enthusiastic I'm enthusiastic about this movie's what I felt were this movie's ambitions mm -hmm. and yet what it what it wound up being was a little was sort of a a forced um uh uh uh, not rom-com but but just a a forced sort of um, um, meet cute almost between between people of different races in the late 50s. And I kept going, okay, when's this movie going to do When's this gonna movie gonna justify being in the late fifties? Well,
2: we were wondering the same thing, and it and it finally does in that restaurant scene. Yeah, but you're getting exactly You don't see right. anyone's
1: reactions. You see no, no you, you hear you hear sort of from a distance saying, Hey, somebody's saying, Hey, that's not a nice way to treat a person or something. Yeah, and you don't see the you don't you see no one's reactions really yeah. For, you don't see it there, there's no again there's no it makes registering you, of the moment
0: i think it's about multiple things i think the problem is why i think that final scene works so well and is so beautiful I mean, i'm telling you we were bawling and kate was like that ending is amazing i love that they did that that they zigged really? where it was. that it wasn't yeah that it wasn't ray liotta and whoopi goldberg kissing she lo- because the story is really about that little girl's trauma in some ways. There's two there's two stories going on here. One yeah. of the stories is that child's trauma. It starts at the funeral of her mother, and she is not able to speak until right. this woman brings her out into the world again. And then at the end of the movie, she's serving that function for her grandmother. That's how well she has healed, that she is doing that for her grandmother. She's helping that's the grandmother beautiful. heal. That is that's lovely. A, yeah, that is, a, of you course. Know, so so I think in that sense, if you look at it as the As the little girl's story, and in many ways it is, you know. Um, Mm. So that's what I would say about that.
2: I didn't mind Mm. the ending. What I and this is such it's a little thing, but I think it was important. Um. you know she has the moment with the grandmother, and then the car pulls up with Ray Liotta and Whoopi Goldberg, and then the credits start to roll. Yeah. And I feel like that to me was where I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! At least even if you had the shot I would have I feel like they were just rushing to end it at that point yeah. because even have again, I they skirt the race issue a lot and more than they really should we've we've discussed that already, but even if you just have them getting out of the car in the clear, and approaching the little girl and the grandmother and you see them just together as a family unit Yeah. before you start to roll the credits over
0: that to me starting and it, it you know it's well they a don't pull up thing. in the car until the credits start the credits that's, start that's over the, the girl and the grandmother you don't even know if you're going right. to see Ray Liotta and we'll over again and then is a you
2: dis- s- yeah. that's that's a disservice to the yep. story in the movie and I yeah. was really you're already because-
1: leaving the theater at that point you don't even see them yeah. pull up because that would have been
2: that would have been a much more satisfying ending of Agreed. them pulling up them coming out and them all together. And yes, it was still I I was still surprised that that's how it ended with her, you know, w- consoling the grandmother, but it would have made a lot more sense and I would have at least had the feeling of and I still got the feeling, but again, it was just that and I don't know if that was her idea or the editor or the producer. Well, she was the producer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whose decision it was to, okay, roll credits now. It took away from the, the idea that these people are all coming together and they have a, you know, it, it's a tough road ahead of them, but they're going to do it together. They're together, they're a family unit, and they they all have a voice now. They're all willing to use their voices to speak together as a family. And it yet bothered me that, That whole little epilogue was sort of covered up by the credits rolling, so it took away the weight of the movie for me, and that's that's very rarely happened where I criticize a movie where the credits start to roll. Yeah, right. Mm. But it was it was a weird thing. It just it seemed like I really liked it. it. I agree that it was
0: unexpected. I I I did not expect it to end there either, but it didn't. But it felt. I don't know. It, it, it worked. It felt for right. Me, I just I, guess, I just
1: wanted to see it without the credits rolling on top of it. But it's interesting mm-hmm. that it's you know it it is draw it is I guess drawing the line. And I think this could have been this could have been reinforced by having a little scene with Leota and Whoopi Goldberg showing up. And and as you said, Fred being with a unit, it is drawing a line from you know the healing of the little girl by Whoopi Goldberg. Drawing a line through sort of through that or via that to the fact that the little girl is healed um not just by Whoopi Goldberg, but by her acceptance into that into her fa- into Whoopi Goldberg's extended family, which includes her going to the church where she learns that song, this little light of mine, right. which mm-hmm. the which she then. Right. She learns it there in the black she learns church. It there, right? And she yeah. teaches
0: it to the grandmother and the grandmother, the grandmother has a moment where she actually criticizes, tells Ray Liotta, what is she? What is she doing? She's learning songs like that. You know, remember right. there's that little moment. Right. So, yeah. Yes. And that's a I powerful that's, scene uh, as well.
1: So she's using that experience for for which she wouldn't have had had she not met Karina, you know, for that. And so there is a through line there that I think I got it, but it could have been reinforced with. You know, a shot of Goldberg and Leota getting out of the car. Maybe Whoopi sees her or hears her singing it to the grandmother. I just mm-hmm. think it's a missed opportunity mm-hmm. to tie it all together and maybe that would have been too mawkish and too you know and and just too you know uh uh, sappy but but you know i I just needed it just felt abrupt to me and and like another missed opportunity i liked the movie
0: There there was a lot to like about it again i talk about the chemistry between leota and Whoopi goldberg i like the easy little moments like when they're having dinner at the table and he says listen to your mom he just says it um Casually, right, yeah. you know, he says that. And, then, yeah. and nobody addresses it. You see, like, the little girl's eyes light up because, mm-hmm. yeah, he made a yeah. mistake. That's, that's a very right. interesting, yeah. subtle little thing. Ding,
2: ding, wait, wait, ding wait, wait. Ding. Hello? Uh, I don't know, Percy, is Percy here?
0: Yeah, right here.
2: Are you, oh, yes, hold on, please. that's
0: It's for you. the? Oh, yeah, my lovely. I will twitch around roses. Sit down. And I will... Sit down. I know you were on the phone, but I want you to sit down when you're on
2: the phone. My favorite character was a uh, Percy, the little boy. Yes, I wrote oh, the, he was great. Okay, my favorite boy. Percy,
0: yeah. oh. three exclamation points next to his name. Yeah, yes, he oh was my lovely. God. He him was on the his... phone, you know.
1: Uh, did you catch Brent Spiner yeah. in a I did. little tiny yeah, yeah, yeah. part Data? I, yeah. I kept expecting him to turn to Larry Miller and say, and ask him, you know, what is love or what is funny <laughs> or what what is, why do I have these... Emo, you know, <laughs> how can I have
0: more emotions? But he didn't do uh, that. Uh, let's do this now instead of it. How many Sheila's? Oh, let's then, we're, this, let's it up.
2: we're switching oh, things up here. I like this. this. I um, like I'm this. Gonna, I'm going to give it a, uh, oh, golly. I'm going to give it a six and a half.
1: Wow. Six and a half Sheila's.
2: Wow, Fred. Six and a half Sheila's. Okay. Yeah. And
1: you feel confidently about that? I mean, we'll I'll see what you guys say. If I go lower, are you going to lower it down? What? No, I will not lower it down. Oh, I see. I,
2: I feel pretty confident with a six and a half. I may, I wanted to say seven originally.
0: Jason O'Connell. My wife, who is a a, a noted and regaled playwright. Yes, she is. As she was weeping on our couch, <laughs> said, This is the last thing she said about the movie. Come on, that's got to be 10 out of 10 Sheila's. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know
1: what? Then we've Um, done our job, boys. We've done our job. That is, that is. If people, if if other people are rating things on the Sheila scale, we've done
0: our job. I really have almost no problem with this movie. I do agree that it skirts the race issue and doesn't explore that as much as it could have. Should it have? I don't know. I guess so. Um, But it didn't, nothing about it. But I never felt like, "Mm, why are they doing this? Oh, they... They solved that problem too neatly. I think, yes, they right. avoid some things. They, you know, they like even that thing about the credits, right? It's like they yeah. avoid having to write the scene where you yeah. see the grandmother come to terms with <laughs> that her son yes. brought, you know, the maid home. And they're like, we're in a relationship. That's a whole different thing yeah. that they could have done that didn't. So I'm like trying to not judge it on what they chose not to do or show us. But um, I, I got to I'm going to give it. A full eight, full eight. A full eight. A full eight, a full on eight. And I oh might my. even, th- and if, and if, uh, Karina or Corina wanted to whip up <laughs> some cardamom pancakes um, wait a minute. In, the, in the kitchen there for the minute. family that morning, I might say, give me, give me, throw me a half of that cardamom pancake <laughs> too, Corina.
2: You would give Corina, you'd give Karina,
1: Karina an eight, but you give Corina, Karina, ocho. Exactly. <laughs> and a half. See? I'm gonna go with a solid five.
0: You have no this. love in your heart. You don't like children. You don't, don't like Whoopi Goldberg. I don't. You've made that clear. I think yep. you have a thing. I can That's, only watch Ray
1: Liotta uh, movies where he's where he's beating someone up, or <laughs> thinking about beating someone up, or <laughs> thinking about ratting out the mob, or putting ketchup on his on his. Uh, it's spaghetti at the end. He's the only, he's the only like a kind of like a schnuck. He's the only mm-hmm. kinds of Ray Liotta movies I want to see, but oh. uh, yeah, I'll give it a five. I'll go five. I could be, I could be urged to go five and a half if some sort of director's cut comes out of this, where they put in uh, more things that I wanted to see, but you're right. You, it's a very astute thing. You said, Jason, it's it's hard to not judge a movie on what you, th- it's hard to not compare movies with each other it's like yeah but this movie should have been more like this no it shouldn't not necessarily because there's no should yeah. right and it's also hard to, to sort of uh it brings in problems when you say well this movie should have been this thing that i had in my head that i thought it right. should have been so you're comparing yourself again you're comparing a movie against do, something we that do do that all the time of course and, you know
0: and that's but you know it's also but when you note the absence of something when you feel the absence that's of something that's is. valid too you yeah. know and that's really valid too that's so, what it is yeah right. i think when you sometimes and it's always a matter of like well i like i like all these component parts so much that i yeah. i won't look over there and look at the dirty socks in the corner that they show. you know and I, I like this part of the room i'm gonna just stare at this part of the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, Do we have to talk about the next movie? Unless
0: it's good stuff, unless it's Pat.
1: <laughs> Are you a brother or a sister?
2: Well, I'm an only child.
1: As God is my witness, I will uncover the mystery. <laughs> That is Pat! Pretty creepy, huh? It's Pat. The movie. Oh, Pat. Is that a banana in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me?
0: (laughs) No, it's a banana. (laughs) Julia Sweeney is, wait for it, Pat. An obnoxious (laughs) busybody of indeterminate gender who meets and falls in love with Chris, played by Dave Foley, a sensitive, caring person also of indeterminate gender. Their relationship suffers because Pat cannot decide on a direction in life. Meanwhile, Pat's married neighbor Kyle, played by Charles Rocket, becomes deeply obsessed with uncovering Pat's sexuality. It's Pat was a low point, even by the standards of Saturday Night Live-inspired features, sharing a 0% Rotten Tomatoes score with the likes of Megaforce. And in the end... It was pulled from theaters after just one abysmal weekend, eking out only $61,000 worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you think of? Ah, it's Pat.
1: (laughs) Um, The main thing that I thought of watching this was, God bless Julia Sweeney for the Herculean Commitment that she puts Into this thing I mean She's not uncommitted And she's no. trying her face off So is Dave Foley So are all of them I mean Honestly and I was pretty awed By yes. how fa- I was Expecting a half-assed sort of You know I was I don't know what I, I wasn't expecting Disorderlies but I was expecting something That was well made but where Everyone's kind of phoning it in you know Everyone's full freight on this thing, and I appreciated it for that. I don't think it deserves the zero of Rotten Tomatoes. You know, I don't think I don't think it deserves like the 61 grand or being pulled from theaters or any of that. I didn't know any of that until you just said it. So I don't think it's of that. I've I've seen way worse movies than this. Is it good? No, but Pat falling down the stairs for no reason. That's fucking funny. (laughs) I was going to say, I laughed a lot during this movie. Yeah, I laughed way more than I thought I was going to. I laughed at
0: the beginning. I did laugh a few times at the beginning, and I thought, oh, my God, maybe this is going to be great. The thing is, it's a sketch character. It is built for a five-minute bit.
1: And even if you
0: build it as a recurring thing, even that's going to wear out its welcome. So it's got to have other legs other tendrils other aspects to it other yeah. joints that bend and move it has it doesn't she gets all she can out of it i think it's very funny stuff like you know when she's playing a, a postal worker i thought the first scene was very funny i think the fact that she's like coming down the street saying here comes the mail is very funny when we <laughs> yeah. don't know what her sex is and right. then i thought the guy he's a great actor he's in everything who plays I, yeah, her I know boss what you're talking about. he's they fantastic the and then he starts vest. to put on the bulletproof vest I kind of wish he didn't say the line where he says, um he says something like, Are you disgruntled? I was like, I yeah, wish he yeah. didn't even say that. Because yes, we get it when we nose. see a postal worker like fire somebody and put on a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And then she just says madness as her response. <laughs> like <laughs> I thought Dave Foley was hysterical. No, I, he, didn't, I, he didn't he didn't he's very feminine. I thought he was very him. good. But I, I didn't think Charles he was terrible. Rocket. Charles Rocket was great. He was really he was good because he played super it committed.
2: so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was so he's sincere. Brilliant. Yeah, I really liked <laughs> I was it. Like, um, he's excellent. Yeah, yeah, he's I, going I, I, there. It's well I cast. Was, I was sort of blown well away cast. by him and that whole subplot. I just thought was hysterical. Yeah. And those
1: are the other tendrils you said that they're trying to give it. They're giving it the Charles Rocket character. They're giving it the uh, the best friend character, Kathy, the quote unquote best friend character, Kathy Griffin, and they're giving it the Dave Foley, which they couldn't do in a sketch.
0: Yeah, but what's it about? I mean, I I mean, what's it about? Well, that's (laughs) the the about. The movie's about uncovering. It's like uncovering her sex. You can't even say like, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, is this going to be transphobic? And I was like, no, 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 because they're saying very clearly she's She's not trans. trans. She or he, there is a specific sex. People know what it is. People are like, oh, I've seen it. Oh, and they show that very early on where it's like. Oh, but we're going to put the camera... We're going to do something in the camera so you don't yeah. see what the gender is. So it's like, okay, so the gender's just a mystery. Um, that's all it is. And that's all it is. And I'm like, okay, well... So the answer can only be one of two things. You've set that up. And you are never going to parse out that information to us. So why... How am I gonna watch this for seventy seven? That's the other thing. I was like, oh, this is the shortest movie I think I've ever watched that wasn't an animated dragon talking to a Very mouse quick. or something. I was like seventy seven minutes. But again, it felt I was like, I was like, oh my God, get on. Well, where are we going? What are we doing? I got things to do. I got a new puppy to walk. I got shit to do. I gotta make lunch. please do there's gotta be something. So yeah, it it I thought Charles Rocket was great. But I was like, this is going nowhere fast. That was my opinion. I just,
2: I I enjoyed the fact that, and I forgot, you know, and and, and doing some research, you know, when they originally came up with this character, he or she was not androgynous. It was just... That coworker of yours that's so annoying and that takes no social cues and doesn't know anything about social space and drools and spits. Mm-hmm. And then apparently someone was like, oh, why don't you make them androgynous too? And they added that on. Um, so I forgot how unlikable Pat is. And I yeah. really enjoyed that. I didn't like... And this is, you know, this is, look, this is just part of the character that, that, yeah, that she that. always does. Yep. And I know that's what Pat does, <laughs> but, and maybe if she did it once, I would have been okay with it. But throughout the whole movie, it drove me nuts. Everything else about the character, I sort of enjoyed. I enjoyed how fucking unlikable and disgusting this person was and how clueless. I thought that's actually, like you were saying, how Julie Sweeney just goes, Full hog on it, and there's something very brave about you know talk about you know talk about Mike McGlone's character and uh, she's the one being unlikable. This character is there's nothing redeeming about this character, (laughs) nothing at all. And I really enjoyed that, and I thought they really played that for the humor. But every time it went into that, it it was almost to say that I want to say it turned too cartoonish, which is such a weird thing to say. About this movie, which starts off so cartoonish.
1: Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I think the difference between the Mike McGlone character and this character is that you forgive Pat. The Mike McGlone character and She's the One should know yeah, you're, better. you're right. He should know better. He should have something, something of a moral compass. Pat doesn't know what a moral compass is. She wouldn't. Know, this, she she has no frame of reference for knowing what. So you stick out your hand to shake to to shake Pat's hand. Pat doesn't know what you're doing. Pat is completely may, unaware be, of all social cues.
2: This may be more offensive than anything you said about his performance in last week's episode. That we're literally comparing his performance to its Pat,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and we're 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 judging its Pat more favorably. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would if
1: he's if if that actor who
2: I still really enjoyed if he's going to listen to any of these podcasts I hope it's last week's not this one because I would feel bad actually.
0: Wow. And it's the <laughs> We're not even talking about him being birthed by a horse woman.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, we're wait, saying this we is worse now. than that. That's what we're saying.
0: I know, but if you if you don't listen to last week, if you just hear this you're like, "Oh, I guess they didn't like my other movie." Then you listen to that and you're like, "Oh, shit, kill it." Put it out of its misery. <laughs> ah, it's, it's an abomination. <laughs> an abomination that fell out of that horse vagina. Uh, you know, that's probably worse. Anyway, listen to them both, sir. <laughs> Tell us what you and think. And you'll see.
1: Subscribe and like. Yeah, do all that. Doesn't matter if you hate us.
0: I wrote this. How is Ween's acting not the worst thing about this movie? That's one of my notes. Um <laughs> Yeah, they were pretty bad. I although, I- although it... <laughs> were they big enough to be in
1: even an It's Pat movie? I mean, I, I know I barely. They were a big alt band. I mean, they it, still okay. are, and I think. And it, she, it, you know, what? she
0: was in a video of theirs, wasn't she? I think. That's, oh, you might be right. I yeah. think that's I true. So I think it was you some weird synergy thing where they're like, oh, it, it you'll tracks, do a, a video tra- for us, and we'll." It do totally cameo. tracked
2: for me that they would be in there because as I was watching huh. it too, I was also made aware. I'm like, oh, okay, she's got. She's got her own thing. Because there was... Yeah, I didn't find it so unwatchable and awful. And obviously there's a really weird, dark, sick sense of humor. Now, maybe it was just the fact that Dave Foley was in it, but I also there was a Kids in the Hall vibe to it. Yes, um, for sure. And the way Charles Rocket was playing his role, I didn't think as funny as Kids in the Hall. No, but there was something. There were some moments that, that were weirdness. genuinely weird. Yeah, you know, Kids in the Hall went really went not to some enough. weird, uncomfortable
0: places. No, not no. Yes, enough. Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. That's an amazing funny crazy fucked up movie all their stuff yeah but i Wait, mean this, i don't think this, this, this was very funny in. this wasn't terribly funny no, no, no it, did, it did didn't have, have a lot of big but
1: laughs but there were a few and more than i thought there were going to be and it it held together more than i thought than i thought wow. zero. i was i was preparing for a utter dreck from end to end and it yes, wasn't me too that
0: you know it's they not ruined the movie. best joke i go love ahead. to pet your pussy pat and then they <laughs> and they changed it they overdubbed it to pussycat yeah
2: yeah and you can see, you can see his well.
0: face. You can see Dave Foley saying, Pussy Pat, and they I have the re Pussy Pat. did They Mr. Falconed it. They Mr. Falconed
1: Oh, they Mr. Falcon the show. Which I, I'm a TV
0: version, sure. The theatrical oh, f- release, sake. Boo and Hiss.
1: Also something that I
2: found interesting, and this could probably bring us into our next movie, but uh, Quentin Tarantino
1: was an uncredited oh. screenwriter on It's Pat. Okay, really? I wanted to ask about this because they were dating, right? Tarantino and Julia Sweeney. Oh, is that what it was?
0: I I believe so. She's in uh, Pulp Fiction.
2: That I knew. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't know if they were just friends or maybe they were dating. Mm. But I read somewhere that yeah, he and, and, and the whole time I'm watching this, I'm going, what did he write?
1: Oh, I'm what? dying to know. I'm what dying was to his? know. Yeah, what made it in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were to guess, if you were to take a stab. Certainly, the strip club scenes. Anything that happened in the strip club—that's probably a Tarantino.
2: Maybe, maybe the scene where Pat shoots heroin into her maybe scrotum. Maybe not. Oh, was that, that, was the, that was the director's cut version that I saw. Yeah,
0: it's Pat. I mean, I'll you know deliver the bad news first, right? I mean, this is like oh, oh. this is. I, I give. It, I'll give it. I can't believe I would even give it two. Sh- I'll give it. Brr. Come on, you want to go three? You I'll want to go three? Maybe there's four? no, there's no planet on which I want to go three. I'm just deciding, <laughs> is it, do I give it more than one Sheila is what I'm saying? Um, yes, of course. You gave disorderly's one. No, I gave, I don't think I gave it one. Um, maybe. What did I give? Oh, she's the one I gave one. Yeah. Right. This is better than that, that. it had
2: a one in its title. Right. And you and I both gave
0: disorderly's a zero. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I think we did. I think we, we didn't did. Give it, yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. I'll give it. I will give it. I'll give it. Two, I'll give it two Sheila's one for each gender that Pat could be. Uh, one for the first five minutes of the movie where I lived in hope, and <laughs> and then the other one is for Charles Rocket, who I thought was uh, was gave a, a really good performance in a in a in a kind of. Just lay there, do nothing. Movie. <laughs> uh, he it. was good.
1: I'm gonna go 3.5.
2: I'm, I'm. That's
1: exactly what I was
0: thinking there, Dan. 3.5.
1: Yeah. You know oh, what Jesus. else was well, funny? That, that,
0: that, then I'm going 1.5. There's no way you can be <laughs> that close. You can't only be. You guys are singing the praises of it's Pat, and I'm gonna. Go, you're gonna just be 1.5 ahead of me. Either co- either commit to either either stick by this. Fine, I'll and go say, four. I'll go. You know, give it the five. Fred, will you, go as you five? Want to give I will it. go four. Fred, will no, you go five? No, I'm not five? going that high. no. It. You don't have to do any. I'm putting I'll give it's it out it, it sh- It's I'm, not as inept as a lot of things. I, 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 you know, I kind of expected it to be like real shit. Like, I imagine A Night at the Roxbury is worse.
1: That's I that's just the question. saw that. It is worse. Yeah. Oh, no, I've never yeah. seen it. Yeah. It's on Pluto. Yeah. It's not good. Very
0: What's the best Saturday Night Live movie? That's if a
1: you, good in your question. Opinion. I have a, I have Tend a serendipity. That's not a Saturday
0: Night Live. Night. Night. Yeah. All
1: right, Jesus. Okay,
2: calm down. Hey, Would you you yell at me?
0: I have <laughs> a say, Yeah, I mean, you talk about starting yeah, right. a mom. You'd got a lot to choose yeah. from. Hmm. Great, Bill Murray or Eddie Murphy or Will Ferrell. Movies.
1: I have a sincere affinity for Coneheads. I just think that whole really? that whole concept of that is funny, and I thought it held up as a movie. But these weren't right. really funny Saturday Night Live characters. But it's my favorite movie that has spawned. From Saturday Night Live, even though they weren't funny when they were on Saturday Night Live, is the Blues Brothers. That that's, is one of my favorites. Yeah, and you know, so what? beloved to me, I yeah. love it.
2: You, yeah, you. I, I always forget that that's in that's tech that's an SNL movie.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, an yeah. SNL But the movie. reasons why it's funny have nothing to do with their what they did on SNL, which was just perform music. You see what I mean? True. So it's not. You can't really tie it to. Oh, this was a funny sketch from SNL. You see what I'm saying? So it, yeah. so I guess of the ones that were like funny sketches from SNL that became funny movies. Uh, I thought Wayne's don't know. World Wayne's was world. okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Wayne's World. Well, Wayne's was World was probably
2: the, the most fun yeah. out of
0: all of them. Yeah, the first um, Wayne's world, I guess. I see a
2: little silhouette of a man.
0: It's got a moosh, got a moosh. Will you do the and Mail sack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mail sack in, in honor of Pat and her and her and her Lass sack of errors and saying, Here comes the mail. Oh, I love that! I love that. That's I a did good like segue. That
1: um, there's really only one thing in the mail sack today, and it's um, well, last episode was rather weak, so w- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why. It's it, people are just. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if they've given up writing in, or if they've just <laughs> they too confused. They've become too confused, or they've oh. just become too sullen about it all. I have yes, an Jason, actual letter.
0: I have an Do actual letter. I have an actual letter from the read mail. Read that.
1: Read the actual letter.
0: I'm just going to read it and we'll see ahead. what we. How did you receive this? Well, I received it via text, but it's a long dissertation. Really on the. Who knew the Thomas Crown affair would be the movie that gets people what coming? That gets your daughter on the show, Fred. Say? Was, gets- was my daughter texting you? No, I imagine she's like. And another thing, <laughs> she's like you about Blade Runner. She's like I had to get I had to gather my thoughts more and try to. Uh-huh. Um, this is my uh, my good friend, a wonderful actress, Joey Parsons. Um, she was a company member with the Pearl Theater Company for a long time. She's worked with me at Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, and she She's has so a long good. history there. Wonderful, wonderful actress. Um, she did that five-person Midsummer Night's Dream with me a mm. few years ago.
2: She was the funniest. She had the funniest moment in that in, in one of them. One of the funniest moments in 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 all of theater. That's it. I'm not going to say what it is. Oh, you got to tell us. You got <laughs> to tell us what a, it
0: is. That's a great lead-in. It
2: was when you guys were pretending to be the wall and the, the whole wall, chink in the wall. Yeah, and you were all hysterical. But her face, for so, like, I tears, tears rolling down my eyes. When I, she I was, I in, saw,
0: she was in love with Bottom, and I had to <gasps> talk between her legs as <gasps> the wall. And I think she just had like some grin of pure. That's great. she's as amazing. A she's I'm, such a, I'm a big a great fan.
2: Actor. Big fan.
0: I vehemently disagree with you about the Thomas Crown Affair. Sure, there are with issues. which one of us? All of us? With, well, with the sh- the show, we didn't, as a group, we weren't did we not too like keen it? on it. I, I see, sort we. of liked it. All right, then this, this isn't for you. <laughs> um, I just want to know that she's on my side. Uh, 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 Maybe it's just me. I didn't think you liked it that much, Dan, either. I Again, did Again, we'll go not. back and we'll see what kind of, no, we'll, find, we'll find that we all gave it five, shields. That'll be <laughs> it. Um, I vehemently disagree with you, Jason, about the Thomas Crown Affair. Sure, there are issues, but it is smart and sexy and about two adults being smart and sexy. Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight Stole Heavily from Thomas Crown Affair. The main difference being the former was about a barely adult, awkward, blah virgin, and the latter was about an awkward teenage, blah virgin. The only thing that made Anastasia or Bella interesting was that some super sexy man chose them for absolutely no apparent reason. I think that's a lot of why they appealed so much to so many women. We all feel so uninteresting and awkward, and to have another worldly, rich, sexy man want us for no other reason than... We are who we are is very attractive, but in Thomas Crown Affair, Catherine had agency and intelligence and a sex appeal she owned and was unapologetic for. I loved seeing a super smart woman intriguing a man initially for just that, her intelligence. Thomas Crown had gorgeous women crawling up his ass, but the woman who interested him was the smart one, who, yes, was also very sexy, but not in a, gosh, I just don't get my beauty kind of way. Catherine knew she was beautiful, but showed some lovely vulnerability when she had developed real feelings for Thomas and suspected him of fleeing the country with Anna. It's not a deep movie, but fun. And I really loved in 1999 when I was just out of Yale, 24 and terrified, seeing a strong, smart, sexy adult heroine on the screen. I've seen this movie maybe 30 times. (gasps) Also, her wardrobe is baller.
1: Wow.
2: She makes some very good points. You know what? I'm changing. I'm giving it ten Sheila's.
0: <laughs> oh, come now!
2: Uh, I just uh, want to impress Joey.
0: And then she wrote, "Yes, this is from Sheila in Sacramento." <laughs> oh, <laughs> perfect,
2: perfect. No, she makes some very good points. She does, and and those are the good things about the movie.
1: Yeah, in, yeah I don't disagree with anything she's saying, sort yeah. of on its face. I just don't think as a, uh, it, it's just, it was just too hard for me to give a shit and i think (laughs) i think most of that's on brosnan i mean quite honestly i think i remember saying on the on the podcast that i was i was caught up in her yes story arc you You know what i mean that like the 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 arc of her character and the journey of her i was in it for the journey of her character which i think is the most interesting thing about the movie
0: i think she's just disagreeing with me because you appreciated her journey (laughs) fred appreciated her breasts, breasts and i said the only good parts. I was like a little kid. I was just like Izzy. I was like, I like when he steals the painting and then puts it back the end. Yeah, but so those are still the strongest parts. My yeah. friend is disagreeing with me, and she'll uh, pay. But, <laughs> um, but that's it. How does that feel? I have a real, an actual letter from a person.
2: But you know what? It goes back to what we've talked about on the show before, and I think it's important. And I think it's important to validate that, that she said that when she saw it, yeah. she saw it at an important
0: Time of her life. Time of her
2: life. And we've talked about that with the movies that we're like, all right, maybe maybe it's not the greatest movie. But, w- you know, when we saw it, it meant something to us and we're going to see more out of it. Now, I, I think she's saying more than that. I think she's also saying that she disagrees with us and that it is a really good movie. Um, and, you know, I won't disagree with her there just because, again, I want to be liked. But- um- <laughs> Well,
1: what, what did you- You know, I
0: think- <laughs> I like to think our wives influence us to some degree. We watch these movies with them or we'll at least say I didn't like it, but kate loved it or you'll you'll yeah, dan you'll constantly sure. be saying taylor walked through the room and here was her one word <laughs> review and that's great but i mean it's true we don't have a female perspective on the show so at some point when we let dan go and we bring in a woman you know then we'll probably get some of these valuable but in the meantime joey other uh, other you know pat or whatever you are uh, people keep writing in sheila buzz in with your thoughts if you, buzz can, in. <laughs> if you, can, if you can but yes the Female we, perspective we, is welcome here. Some. We could use we some, some, some more. Really could. Use some. So this is so Thank actual. Yeah. So if, any, if any, other actual women want to write in that aren't figments of our imagination, <laughs> we have oh. any? Do we have a d- way that they
1: can? Isn't there an email of some kind?
0: Isn't there? It, there is. What There's is? A, a, I believe it's info, info. at openingweekendpodcast.com. dot com. Info. Yeah. We should, we should at, think of something sexier. We could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> info. <laughs> Beep, blah, blah,
1: bleep, bleep. <laughs> Info at openingweekendpodcast.com Yeah, if you want to send us a, a genuine Not that the letters from Sheila get, and the, and the warden are genuine I, I, I just want to say real quickly There is oh, just Jesus. one one postcard
0: Oh, oh I didn't and, think there was something Oh, that's no, right No, I'm,
1: so, I'm sorry to say No, just, I took you on that track No, no, it, there just is one It's very, very brief Um, It's it's kind of sad. Oh no! It just says, "My poor Sheila, my poor poor Sheila." And then it's signed, <laughs> Adam. And then in parentheses it says, "Yes, it's actually me." Close parentheses. Adam, the Ardwolf. So I feel like he's come into the clutches of Dr. Merlot. Oh,
0: I was going to no. say,
2: did he get his DNA spliced as well? <laughs> Wait,
0: with, with an aardvark ar- and ar- 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 an ar- ar- a wolf? Is that an ar- uh, and a wolf? Or, or is or, there something called an, an ar- wolf? There but- may <laughs> be, we have to research this now. Maybe one huh? of our listeners... Can help. Joey Parsons, if you know what an aardwolf is and or what happened to Adam, I don't know if you have that information. Please send me another text. You don't even have to you could send it to that email address, but just send me a text. You know me. All you other Jamokes, you gotta use that. That thing at mailerdamon at subscriber.net info at
2: openingweekend.edu at
0: juno.com Juno
1: you know. um yeah so it's that one's you know it's a little bit sad but I, I I know that Pacino, and Nicholson and everybody are on the scene. It seems like they are and maybe they can unsplice these two I you know their journey has uh, taken them to a very uh, a very strange place there on the island of Dr. Merlot we got a half-murder hornet and a half uh, wolf human.
0: NBK. <laughs> Natural-born <laughs> killers.
1: Nikki and Mallory. Feared by thousands.
0: I love you so much, baby. I
1: love you. Watched by millions. We're fainting. Can't stop fate. Nobody can. Woody Harrelson, Juliet Lewis, Robert Downey Jr., and Tommy Lee Jones. What do you have to say to your fans? We ain't seen nothing yet. Natural born killers.
0: Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis are Mickey and Mallory Knox, two young, attractive serial killers who go on a 52-person killing spree and become tabloid TV darlings, thanks to a sensationalistic media epitomized by the Steve Dunleavy-like Australian reporter Wayne Gale, played by Robert Downey Jr. The highly controversial and highly stylized film sports a story by Quentin Tarantino, whose screenplay was heavily revised by director Oliver Stone and others. Tarantino disavowed the film upon its release, advising fans of his work that they wouldn't like it. Few were deterred, though, as Natural Born Killers earned over $11 million on its opening weekend, en route to a grand total of $50 million. Fred and Dan, what did you think of Natural Born Killers? I just want to say bravo, Tarantino, for having two films out in the same weekend. That's a, that's a real blemish for Oliver Stone, where it's like, don't go see Natural Born Killers. It's Pat, however, <laughs>
1: is see looking my friend, to crash $50,000 this weekend.
0: <laughs> Help it out, would you? Help it out, friends. <laughs> go ahead, I feel Fred, like we
2: may have seen this movie
0: together. I've, I
2: remember. I remember. I uh, saw it with maybe, Julie
0: Smith at at the Sony Lincoln Square theaters somewhere. In, uh, so you may have been with me for. I may have been
2: with you. I remember seeing it with one of you guys because I remember seeing because there was a buzz about this movie. Yeah. When, like even before it came out, I remember seeing it in the theaters, and I remember having a discussion. And maybe it was maybe it was all of us talking it, about it that we had a discussion. In the we lobby. It could Do you have been remember it? that?
0: Yeah. I remember we had a long discussion in the lobby afterwards. And I, I remember, remember Julie was there. Julie Oh,
1: that's interesting. Was it wasn't maybe with it was me. There. I just saw it. I just saw it a couple of days oh, ago. You've never first seen time it before? I've never wow. seen yeah. Can oh, you wow. it. Wow. Yeah.
2: Wow. So then maybe we did see it together. But I remember saying, this movie's I I just had a feeling this is a movie that's going to be studied years down the line, that people are going to, you know, it's going to be in, in film classes. And um it, you know, it's a hard movie to watch. It's it's pretty disturbing but man he and it definitely as it goes on it gets harder and harder to
1: watch. You but, think so? Um,
2: yeah, And I think I think that's also by design too. Um
1: but it's it's an exciting movie, man. I have an opposing theory to that, but you, you go ahead. Okay.
0: Um <laughs> Sorry. Well, I just sort of no. want to hear it. Why? <laughs> no, I I I think I may agree. I you know what's funny? I think I first of all, Fred, have you seen it? since we saw it in the theater in 94. Did you see it again?
2: I, You know, I don't think I've seen it from start to finish.
0: I'll just say this. I felt what you felt back when I saw it in 94, and I really didn't like this movie at all. I kind of hated it. Hmm. And I, all I'll say is that I did not hate it. I thought I was going to again. It started and I was like, I'm going to fucking hate this thing again as much as I did 25 years ago or whatever. (laughs) And... I had a different reaction to it, so I might be more along. I uh, want to hear what you have to say, there. Well, but-
2: I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I, as it was going on, I disliked it. I just found it became harder to watch. Harder to watch. It became. It was just really, in in the
0: beginning, what I loved about it. But that's so that I found it hard to watch. Though back then, that's part of what I disliked about it, is that I thought it was just too, too much, too too much, and I mm. I I was put off by the, the extremity of it. Yeah. It's, okay. it's a lot,
2: but that's what I, I, I mean, I sort of enjoy that in the beginning. I mean, it's, it's violent. It's hard to watch. It's disturbing, but I just love what, and I thought about this at the time. And I remember thinking the same thing about um, uh, Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, which isn't a great movie, but what I appreciate about both of them and they're, they're just throwing everything out there and they're really using yeah. so many different film techniques and, you know, different film stock and black and white and color and animation and, you know, the, the projections and there's something so theatrical about it that I really appreciated. It was something, it it was just, they were taking a a really different bent at telling this story. Um, And I, I really appreciated that. And I found it when I first saw it and even watching it again, I found it very exciting. I couldn't take my eyes away from it. And it was, just this, it, it was like a visceral experience, you know. It, it's something so operatic about the violence. Um, mm. it, it's like it was like a fever dream throughout the entire movie, you know. It was, it was, it was sort of crazy. Um, and, very and much I, so, yeah, yeah. And I, and I guess I just appreciated that, but it wasn't so much that it turned me off, it wasn't crazy that. And but by the end, it, it was. Like the the assault on the eyes and ears almost got a little mm. too much for me. Huh. Um, but what I appreciated too, and this was interesting because I, I'm I'm watching it, and look, Tommy Lee Jones and, and Robert Downey Jr. are completely over the top. <laughs> I mean, they're just cra- everyone's over the top of this movie, but those two really take it to another level. And I'm watching it, and one of the prison guards. I'm. I'm going. Why don't I recognize that guy? Oh yeah. Oh, that's Everett Quinton. Yeah. The bald guy. The little yes. bald guy. Now Everett Quinton was part of the ridiculous theater company. Yes. They did the Mystery of Irma Vep. Charles Ludlam wrote most of their plays. Charles Ludlam, Hofstra graduate. Yeah. They was all or Hofstra alum. You know, all those shows. Everett Quinton was a master at camp. That's mm-hmm. what he did. And as it got to the end, I was thinking.
0: <laughs> what were you said you had a milkshake there. There. I'm so <laughs>
1: sorry. I a cup did of milk. not mean to. No, it's actually a tequila drink. I am so sorry that I slurped through the <laughs> no, straw.
2: That was good. I like
1: it. We're I gonna, did, right that in, that in the middle of you talking. I did not expect to do that. I'm so but, sorry. But there was, it's fine.
2: There was, Um. there was something, like I said, I was like, you know, every Quinton is, is all about camp. And then it dawned on me as this movie was going on. Oh, this movie is like high camp. There, like, you, go. there you go. what they're doing as actors it's high, high camp. And then yep. once I sort of made that connection, it became a little easier to take their performances, you know, and obviously yeah. it's, you know, there's so much being said in this movie and as a statement on the media um, and, you know, how we portray. Oh, is it?
0: It was such a subtle message. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, he definitely he you know, there's some banging over the head at the end um oh, you're beginning to end and I'm, I'm saying i enjoyed it this time watching it but it's like it's like yeah we got it buddy um yeah
2: no that's it but you're it, it's not subtle but i think that's the point it's not supposed Absolutely. to be subtle at all
0: right and i know. really disliked most of the performances the first time i saw it especially tommy lee jones i think Tommy Lee Jones was the worst for me when I first saw it, where I was really where the movie pissed me off. This is 25 years ago where I was like, oh, fuck you movie. We
2: did see it together because I remember your disdain for his (laughs) performance. I really, really That's coming back now.
0: And do you know Uh, what? I watched it and, you know, and we've we've had it out with Tommy Lee Jones just a few weeks ago. (laughs) We're blown away and then we go dig through some of his back catalog. Um, Yeah, I I got to say towards the very end of this I'm like there he is there's there's the two face I know and can't watch but, <laughs> but when he starts off I was loving him I was loving this crazy character yeah. and I God. loved Robert Downey Jr's character too who it, it's like yeah not a I mean it's they're ridiculous right but I loved it it was I ju, it was it was high camp is perfect Fred that is yes, that is know. what it is it's so arch it's so gonzo yeah, yeah. And these are these exaggerate like the even the the way they use those special effects to kind of morph the faces. And there's this kind of monstrosity to some of the faces and some of these kind of uh, drugged out dreams. I don't even know what you would call them. Some of these images that Oliver Stone puts in there. In a weird way, their performances are kind of those same kind of twisted, melted, stretched apart faces. They're, yeah. they're grotesqueries, right? And, uh, and yes. they go for it, which I really go appreciate. For it. And the commitment, and I was especially taken with Robert Downey Jr. and Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. They kind of, mm. they made it work. When this movie was working, it's its thing on me when it was working at its highest level for me, it was in their performances, which I did not expect, especially considering how I felt about it 20-something years ago. Ricky and Mallory Knox are without doubt the most twisted, depraved pair of shit fucks it has ever been my displeasure to lay my goddamn eyes on. I'm telling you, these two motherfuckers are a walking reminder of just how fucked up this system really is. Don't get me started, I'll okay? tell don't get me started. Quiet. You call me Dwight.
2: There was that one scene where Robert Downey Jr. is trying to sell the idea of the interview to Woody Harrelson and Mickey. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, this is an actor who's just been like, to- I mean, look, he's an actor that we all know just is, they just sort of let him loose and he goes. And and apparently from everything we've heard, he's a master, you know, improviser and he's yeah. he, he can just go. But... Uh, he he just is let loose, and you can tell that he's having so much fun and going nuts with it. And well, just cocaine will do might. that. I mean, that's
1: wrong. <laughs> a trailer that's full of cocaine will yes. will allow for that kind of creativity.
0: Anyway, I feel it's apparent to anyone who's hip to what's going on that these prison boys thrown the constitution straight out the fucking window. You and Mallory may be killers, but nuts, insane. Today, they won't clean your mind because they feel your actions are dangerous. Tomorrow, they won't clean my mind. I don't
1: need no fucking syndication because they feel what I say is dangerous. Where does it all end? I had never seen it. Crazy. just saw it the first time a couple of days ago. That's um, crazy. I me. would have loved to have seen this in the theater to kind of see how it works on a big screen. And I, I hope to see it that way someday because it really is a it's a, a visual and an uh feast. But um, I feel like the movie is designed to make you numbed to the violence as it goes. And that's exactly the way I felt by the time we got to that final sequence in the jail, which is pretty long and of course, very violent and very bloody. I was, I was numbed to the violence. I wasn't at the tipping point of Robert Downey Jr. where I'm like, yeah, give me more, you know, but the movie does that to you at times as well or is designed to sort of push you towards do you like this do you want to see more you're going to see more now you know you want more of this like it's tempting you almost with the violence and with the blood and the bloodlust and seeing if you'll hook in and that's i think part of its part of its power but i think the 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 other thing it's doing is saying get used to this you know get used to it get used to it get used to it it's the way you're going to it's the way the world is and you know that this is the way the world is because it's on the news every damn night. And and mm. if it weren't on the news every night, you wouldn't watch. So, you know, f- feed that part of yourself with where this movie is going. And that's what kind of wound up happening to me. I was struggling between saying to myself, I should be shocked by this. And I'm not. And also, boy, it's kind of I'm on their side now to the point where I'm wondering when the next almost anticipating in a weird way when the next, you know, bloody event is going to happen. Mm. And I think that that's, that's the, that's the, kind of the, the brilliant thing about this movie is that it makes you into that kind of, that kind of monster in a way. There's a very interesting thing that happens in the very, very first scene in the diner where you see Woody Harrelson talking to. know exactly uh, what you're going to say. The, yeah, the, the woman in the diner and, and sort of, you see the reality Yes. And then you see her response again from his, through his eyes. Again, like talking the about black and white of, and the color. The exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So j- just Great. like with the, you know, the point of view stuff we were talking about earlier, you know, with like seeing it through the characters eyes. and you go, oh, that's what the movie is. It's the world through their eyes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that sort of makes you, you know, that at that point, anything is really is really um, justified and justifiable. And the and the other thing that the movie, I think, did for me is to go, oh, they're not just the natural-born killers. They were made into killers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other people in the movie are Tom Sizemore, certainly Robert Downey Jr., you know, certainly the people who are being interviewed and saying, yeah, we love Mickey and, uh, what was her name? Mm-hmm. Mallory. Mickey and Mallory. Yeah. We, we, you know, there are, fair- you know, who are the natural born killers in these, <laughs> in these, uh, uh, scenarios, you know, and, well, and you know, and what what's... are they hooking into? You know, that it's, it's, it's it, I think what he's saying is it's in all of us. It's in all of our natures to potentially go this way.
0: Mm-hmm absolutely i i think you know something and that's thought, fucking scary i think the way i felt about it then versus now is it's a lot like how i felt about um idiocracy which i liked this movie is very cynical or in 1994 it felt yeah and now it feels like it was prescient it feels like it's like yeah oh i or maybe i'm just older and i get it more you know i was Not a kid, but I was just out of college, and you know, maybe just had a slightly more innocent worldview, or you know what I mean, just less, more optimistic, something. But I just did, I you know. I didn't. Li- I didn't like what it was forcing down my throat. Now I'm like, I'm like, oh, but now 25 years later, I realize that's all true. It was ahead of its true. time. It was ahead of, it was its, ahead time. of its time. You, At you, least you, in you, terms you, of the th- the themes and what it's trying to expose yeah. and shine a light on. Well, um, well here's yeah. the
2: thing: you watch a movie like that, and you can say, "Oh my God, wow, this is what it's," but you you you. Like to hope. Well, it's never going to get that way, right? You know, you can watch a movie like *Children of Men* or *Blade Runner* oh, or whatever, like God, something, and be Children like, "God, I, I hope it." You know, that's believable. But I hope it's not going to get that bad. You yeah. know, with like *Natural Born Killers*, right. that's believable. Like we're heading in that direction, but it's not really going to get that bad. And then, you know, looking at it now, you're like at fuck, at the we're there. Right now,
0: and you're yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's we're not too many ticks off from being like oh. correct. And even then, you know, and that's the great thing. You know, we talked about the Island of Dr. Moreau last week and how how uh, ham fisted it was like that that last <laughs> like montage of scenes about like aren't people animals, you know, and here they do the same thing, same thing, a, a movie from two years earlier than Moreau. And but here right. it works because it's his whole to me it worked. It's his whole point. It's like, oh, yeah. And to the fact where the most chilling thing is the shot of O.J. Simpson, because yeah. that fucking the Bronco chase was like a month before this fucking movie came out or two months before. So you, the, he like went into the editing room and he's like, we're getting this in there too. The cult of, this is our, this is my movie, the cult of celebrity around and uh, around violence and how it's all intertwined and sensationalized. And, you know, I mean, it's. And also just how it's, how we view it through the lens of a, of a television screen,
2: you know, that's so much of it as well. And I mean, and he plays on that even with, you know, with the whole stuff with Rodney Dangerfield, which is fucking brilliant. My God, that that is really that scenes. was the that was the thing
0: I remembered most from the first viewing of it. I, I didn't remember much about the movie specifically, but the Dangerfield scene really imprinted on me.
1: You didn't mow the yard. That piece of shit Lamar is fine! That's the way you talk in front of your mother, you stupid bitch. You watch your language, or I'll kick the shit out of you like I do her. So if your ass is in this house, it's my ass. So you move it upstairs and take a shower. And you make sure it's a good shower, cause I'm coming up after to see how clean you
2: are. But even showing like the um, the uh, yeah. the Coke yeah. and the polar bear commercial, yes, which right. was which I you know I'm sure I'm sure after Coke you know, saw the movie, they're like, oh fuck, what yeah, did we they let were. Them do? They were like, um, they gave
0: them the rights and then they were like, why did we, why did we do that? Why right, did we do that? But even riots? that was
2: brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it was so great and I was reading some of that Oliver Stone said he put that in there because. You know that—that's in his opinion. That's what commercials do. They're you know commercials come on and, and they they calm everyone they down. Soothe, so even if so, they yeah. soothe you, yeah. I say this product
1: uh, will make it all better, right? Yeah, that's the whole Marshall McLuhan thing. Yeah, Not to exactly. get too esoteric, but I mean, yeah, it's the whole yeah, no, amusing ourselves to death. Yes, and and all of that, and the whole hot media, cool media thing. Um the, the mm-hmm. main, you know, the the thing with all of the the stylization uh, in this is uh, there were times when it, I, I didn't know quite what he was going for stone where I'm like, what's he doing that piece for? But then thinking about it later, it was like, okay, it's just, it's not just to, you know, um, batter your senses. There's always a, there's always some like, even if it's just like a plant, growing you know Mm -hmm. or a devil face you know what i mean like i almost want to go back and watch the movie again now just to see because in thinking about it after i'm like oh i think i know why he did the devil face there or i think i think i know why he showed rutting beasts at this moment you know um it didn't always strike me in the moment because i was too i was too i get i get too confused when there's rapid editing I can mm-hmm. almost never follow it, you know, but- There's a
2: lot. I was just reading that most movies have anywhere between 500 and 700 cuts. Good Lord. This one has 3,000. Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. See, so it, it, is, it is
2: a bad- It took 11 months to edit this movie.
1: Jesus. So, I mean, yeah. it does batter you, but in thinking about it after, it's like, no, that was actually all purposeful. I think, you guys tell me what you think of this. The guy who leads them out of the jail at the end Carlos Howard. Yeah. yeah, Okay. He's in the
2: beginning. Now he shows up in the beginning. Did you notice
1: that? No, I did not. Where is he he in the beginning?
2: That's interesting because I was wondering if you, if you never, and and I recognized him and I must've seen it then. This is making me think that I did see it in between the first viewing. He's in the diner and it's a quick (gasps) shot and they pass by him and he's reading the New York post and it says 666. Okay. So he's the the devil, devil, right? I guess so, but he okay. seems to be their salvation too. But that's the in, thing, in, the
1: devil comes in that form, right? right? The devil comes in the form of the savior or the, the credits, or the devil is like, we have to, we have to lead you, you know, is, is leading the two minions of the devil out of the, out of the, uh, out of the right. jail to, yeah. to safety. And, and they kept flashing on a devil face when he was like, no, come this way. And he seems yeah. so gentle and so angelic. And then he disappears, yeah. right? Right. He's unaccounted for at the end end, Mm -hmm. right? They say they kill the one cop um, by throwing him out of the back of the thing, I think. Yeah. They say that in a voiceover. Right. And then, but you never find out what happens to that character. And I think it's because he's supposed to be the devil.
2: Yeah, you're probably Mm -hmm. right. That's exactly, I think what it is. I mean, he's, I think in the credits he's listed as, I believe it's Mickey and Mallory's guardian angel.
1: Yeah. See, which is, which could be a Lucifer type of an angel.
2: But I remember thinking that, like in rewatching it. It's very cool. And this, I remember noticing this when I rewatched it, it must've been years ago, um, seeing him and be like, oh, that's that guy and thinking the same thing. It's gotta be some supernatural thing. Yeah, but, some know, like minion said, of Satan the devil.
1: Who, who wants to unleash them back upon the world.
2: Did you guys notice this after he kills the shaman and they're freaking oh, out? that scene and, is and great. And Julie Lewis, at one point, and I noticed this and I rewound it a few times, he'd be like, wait, it, was this intentional? She goes, why, why, why did you do that? And on the third, why she looks right at the camera.
1: (gasps) Oh, I didn't catch it.
2: Yeah. Hmm. And I kept going back and it it looks
1: very intentional that she's looking right at you. Had to be.
2: Yeah.
1: Had to be. Well, I I thought that was interesting. You know, uh, this movie is condemning you as you're watching it. It really yeah. is. It's saying yeah, if you're watching this, you are complicit. If you're enjoying this, you're complicit. If you are wow. rooting for them, you're yeah. complicit. You see what I mean? If you're numbed by it, you're complicit. You 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 should be mm. wanting to turn away, disgusted, and, and and be you know and and be um, uh, uh, rooting for these two to not succeed. If you're not doing that, you know, it's very Richard the Third. If you're not doing that then you're you 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 can't be in the jury you can't be sitting in judgment in the jury box and also be having a great time <laughs> and and, uh, and the, the movie the movie the makes parental you parental
0: figures are monsters the warden mm. is a monster the, the cop is a monster yeah. every you know yeah. every with that
2: cop that was uh did you catch that his name Scagnetti
1: now that shows up in pulp fiction right
2: or, or no, no, in, um,
1: in Reservoir um, Dogs. Reservoir
2: Dogs. Yeah, yes. that's oh. um, that's the parole officer. You yes. find out, you never meet him, but you find oh, out that's, that's Tim Roth's parole officer. Yes. Yeah, and he's like okay. a real, and yeah, they say, like guy K- tells characters, like, oh, yeah, he's a real asshole or something. Uh, 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 um, now, is there something more. else that popped up that, and I thought of something that you said a couple episodes back, Jason, um, and I wondered, there was a shot during the interview, there's a shot of a naked breast in a shower being kissed. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, and I wondered if that was there. Cause you oh, mentioned the, that quote, that Nicholson, the Nicholson said.
0: quote saying, yeah, you, about uh, what is it? You, you kiss a breast, kiss a breast, kiss you, uh, you get an X, chop it off, you get an R.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I wondered, cause it seemed like such a strange thing. And I, I wondered if that was. If there's any connection there.
1: Oh, I
0: wonder. That's really that, you interesting. You know,
2: this movie was so violent and yeah. you know, we're just gonna show this naked nipple now. And well, for uh, a movie with
1: such little nudity,
0: you know what, what I mean? I mean that's yeah. actually a shocking moment. hmm Yeah. You know? And it's like, is that the thing you're gonna have a problem with? Is that the thing the censors are gonna that's what know, he's doing? Make me take out yeah. that's like, gotta and, be what he's doing. He's like, Oh, really you're gonna have I a problem with it. this.
1: This is the bloodiest, most
0: violent, craziest
1: fucking thing you've ever seen, but you're gonna have a problem with that? Just try me. That's exactly what he's doing. He's got to be the one moment of nudity in the thing. That's a brilliant. That's a brilliant observation, Fred. Yeah. I didn't even put that together. That's great.
2: I'll take that one. Since I messed up Woody Howerson's entire career,
1: <laughs> good I'll scene. take that one. Good thing. Now, when you said the warden is abominable, you weren't talking about Eustace, were you? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, okay. good God, no. Because he's beloved.
0: Yes. No, You're I mean, yeah, not, all, not all wardens, but it did have, but there were some you know, parallels to our podcast. And- uh and the cast, you know the 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 two the, the two on the run, run lovers on the run, uh, yeah. you know Sheila and uh, Adam, and then or whatever he is now, and whatever she is now, <laughs> and then uh,
1: now they really are the natural buzz killers. And it's then, a, weird.
0: Southern, and then a, a, a southern warden with uh, you know with an over the top laugh,
1: <laughs>
0: a cackle of sorts. Lots um, of parallels. I really, yeah, I I can't believe how much. I enjoyed this movie compared to how I felt in 1994, and I, I'm, That's so cool. you know, I don't, I don't have anything really to to add that you guys haven't already said about it. For me, in the rewatch, the first, I was resistant to it because I remembered how I felt about it. I was probably resistant to the movie right up until, honestly, the uh, where it really grabbed me was in the drugstore that that just yeah. the, everything in that green lighting when he they're looking he's oh, looking for the yeah. anti venom medication and something about that even just visually just the green the way it pulled me it pulled me in and then from that point on the movie it really didn't it didn't let go and then you introduce those characters you introduce the robert downey jr character yeah that point into the movie which is probably i don't know 40 minutes into the movie or something and then Mm -hmm. tommy lee jones comes in later i mean so you know two of the four major performances don't even kind of You know, come into the mix until the midway point in a way, and so it just, yeah, it it upped the ante for me in a way that was very satisfying. And yeah, I think you know the funny thing is, I think when we were having this discussion about it back in '94 or whatever, I think coming, having just come out of school and thinking theater is theater and film is film, and there's a way you approach film and there's a way you approach theater, and maybe there was something that felt too big and too broad about what. The actors were doing to me back then. That mm-hmm. now I'm is exciting because you don't get to you know you you don't get to see that much see it. So. And, and, no. especially in a movie like that, a crime movie or a yeah. you know mm-hmm. so this kind and of things. And,
2: and even like not even the acting, but just cinematically, what Stone is doing. You know, it's just all he, again, and, and I, I say it: what 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 Coppola did with Bram Stoker's Dracula, just using all the different techniques, and just you know, we're so used to just watching a movie filmed in one way, yeah. and this is just going all over the place and using every technique, every film trick in the book.
0: Uh, And it's... It makes your uh, brain feel like it's in a blender, you know, but it's like, it's very much, (laughs) it reminds me a lot of MTV. It feels like it's playing off of a lot of kind of MTV kind of video imagery. I think he
2: said that in an interview that he wanted to really, because, uh, you know, at the time that was really... That was really the height of when MTV was I mean, MTV obviously was big in the eighties, but around that time, that's when a lot of the reality shows were starting to get really big on MTV. And I mean it was mm. it was that idea of, of media just sort of taking over uh everyone's brains and, and that those that MTV cut was becoming mm. such a, a huge thing and he just took it to the extreme. I think everybody got Something in their past, some sin, some awful secret thing.
0: A lot of people walking around out there already dead just need to be put out of their misery. <laughs>
2: That's where I come
0: in, fate's messenger.
1: How many shillas? Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, what do I give this to order? At least? No, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go like 8.5 to nine. I think I'm edging towards. I think I'm edging um. towards nine. This, man, this we're, really, we're, the more I think about it, the more I, the more I just really am am uh, appreciative of, of what this movie's saying, in, especially in 2020. We're yeah. in
2: sync, man. I was, I was thinking eight and a half, nine as well. Good. Cause I think, you know, whatever, you know, even if, even if uh, it's not your thing, you you got to give it to Oliver Stone for, I mean, it's, it's a brave movie. Yeah. and he does some incredible stuff with it. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I would say eight and a half nine as well.
0: I'm a little lower than you guys, but it's higher than I thought I was going to be. I'm going to say it's around seven and a half to eight for me, which I never ever would have expected. I thought I was going to hate this. <laughs> I thought I was going to really dislike uh, watching uh, it, and it really uh, it grew on me. And you know, and really, I mean, I, I'm just very, I'm like very impressed with how how bold he was with this movie and how bold the performances are, but also how prescient the whole thing for, you know, I, I would say for better or for worse, it's, it's not for better. It's all for worse, but I mean, it yeah. really is prescient. <laughs> it really is prescient. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. All right. And Juliet uh,
1: Lewis. So good. We didn't mention her really, but boy, she's ah, dynamite in this. And I, just, I wish she did more things. So I really I think she's been focusing on her music lately.
0: Oh, that's, I that's unfortunate. That's thing, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I was so impressed. I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot she sang like that." She was in the movie. She yeah. sang yeah. so beautifully too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, she yeah She's, she's great. great in it. She's yeah, great, great in everything. I guess I was born naturally born. born. Okay, well, uh, that's it for us this week on opening weekend next week for uh, the Labor Day holiday. We'll be diving into fall or back to school, rather, with a couple of uh, high school comedies uh, from the (laughs) early 80s. We're going back to September 3rd, 1982 and two films, uh, one considered a uh, bit of a comedy classic. The other one. Maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> I'll let you decide. <laughs> the movies are Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Zapped. I know which one Fred thinks. <laughs> it's a true classic.
2: It's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a gonna fun, be fun one next week. I'm totally. looking forward to it. back
0: to school hey.
2: Scatman Crothers and Willie
0: Ames <laughs> together, together again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Dan, you got something for us this oh, week dude,
1: in honor of Pat
0: the character.
1: Who loves karaoke, and 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 uh, in the middle of uh, the movie does a little song. It's very uh, apt, which is an anagram of Pat. The word apt <laughs> for our listeners who enjoy anagrams. <coughs> the uh, Aerosmith song "Dude Looks Like a Lady." Figured we'd do that one. Okay, so uh, this is a, this is a good one. Here we go. I'm in pain now. I can't go any further. Oh, it's very painful to the wrists and the fingers and the arthritis. You suffer for your music. I really I do. Suffer for your art. I really do.
0: Just like Willie Ames.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm schwitzing like I'm at the VBC.
0: <laughs> the opening weekend
1: podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening.